You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Are you looking for a new set of scrims or a backdrop for your live show? What about wall flags to have at your merch table or online store? This is Dewey from Pure Pleasure, and I want to tell you about ArtistFlags.com. ArtistFlags.com has the lowest pricing and the best quality around. Their prices start at $119, and they can help you choose the best material and sizes for your band, all while keeping your budget in mind. Use the coupon code PEERFLAG, that's P-E-E-R-F-L-A-G at checkout to get $30 off your next order. Satisfied bands who have used ArtistFlags.com are Dance Gavin Dance, I Prevail, Darkest Hour, Senses Fail, Ice Nine Kills, Lorna Shore, Afterlife, and many more. Check them out today. The Modern Vinyl Podcast on Jabberjaw Media combines the colorful conversations overheard at your neighborhood record store with insightful criticism that goes beyond the surface noise. Located at modern-vinyl.com and find them on your favorite podcast app by searching Modern Vinyl Podcast or through jabberjawmedia.com. Upcoming episodes include interviews with the likes of Jay Som and Plumtree, along with discussions on the Vagrant Records catalog, their annual Record Store Day Awards show, and the conclusion of their Revisiting the Smith series. Head on over to jabberjawmedia.com and check out Modern Vinyl today. Hey folks, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and welcome back to another week with a fantastic guest and more great content for you on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. Uh, today's guest is a great, great, great musician by the name of Yoni Wolf from the band Y. A lot of you may have heard of Yoni. Uh, he's part of the collective Anticon Records, uh, or the Anticon Collective, rather. Um, he is also doing a side project with Serengeti called Yoni and Getty, which just finished a tour uh, last year, I believe, towards the end of the year. Uh, and he's out on tour now with Y, uh, supporting the new album, Moline. Um, we talk a lot about the new record, the writing process, um, how he writes in general, and uh, talk a lot about um, what I like to call minimal uh, into magical, which is the way I like to describe why and a, a few other bands where they take a an idea, a small idea, uh, and turn it into something huge uh, through a bunch of little moving parts. And uh, 
you know, I know Bjork did a record called Vespertine, which her whole idea was m- recording very small sounds like a pussy willow popping open or, uh, you know, an ant crawling, like super micro sounds, and then blew those up into extremely loud versions of those and use those to build a really huge soundscape. Why follows kind of the same thing where they take a lot of alternative percussion um, and they take a lot of, you know, hand claps and snaps and sounds um, and build all these little tiny parts, which on their own are very small into one big massive unit uh, that's just as loud as bands with loud guitars, drums, everything. Um, and that's what really impressed me about why when I first saw them at Loveland on the first album, Elephant Eyelash, um, the artwork intrigued me. And I talked to Drew, who was booking the show, and he told me that they had sent a CD, uh, which I put in and uh, was blown away immediately. Crush Bones uh, is a song that I still listen to to this day quite a bit. Uh, and I still find things on these records that I didn't hear before. Um, all this stuff we talk about on the episode. But Yoni was really gracious to come on the show. Uh, we had to push it a couple times uh, because of scheduling. But uh, he uh, caught up with me. He was at the Crocodile in Seattle, uh, I believe, in his hotel room. And, and uh, his manager, Brent, who is super awesome, uh, got it all set up for us and uh, set it up over Skype and had a great time. Uh, and it was really nice to talk to Yoni after being a fan for a long time and, and uh, you know, being from the music world myself. Uh, it's always nice to talk to other musicians that really get it. So um, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode uh, with Yoni Wolf. So uh, we are at purepleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram at podpeerpleasure. Uh, and we are on Twitter at podpeerpleasure, rather. We are on Instagram at purepleasurepod. Um, definitely hook us up on Gmail at purepleasurepod uh, at gmail.com. Shoot us some comments, questions, concerns. Anything you want to send over, um, and definitely go to iTunes once this airs, and rate and subscribe to the show. Uh, those ratings really help us out. Uh, we do have some stickers up in the web store on the purepleasurepodcast.com. Just click the store link to check those out. And uh, also, while you're there, check out our Amazon affiliate link. Uh, you can go to Amazon through that link and purchase something. It gives us 4%, which doesn't cost you anything extra, but definitely helps out the show. So uh, once again, we're really grateful to have you guys on with us and uh, rate and subscribe to the show. Hit up iTunes, hit up Google Play, hit up Stitcher, and uh, definitely let us know what you think. And uh, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Yoni Wolf from Why. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Cool. Yeah, I can hear you good, man. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Dude, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. I know it was kind of a... Uh, got pushed around a couple times, but it was... I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, it's no sweat. It's I, no sweat. I know tour life is hectic. I toured for a lot of years, and nothing ever yeah. goes according to plan, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. What... what, what, what uh, you were in, in bands? Yeah, I played... Uh, uh, I was a touring guitarist in a band called Portugal the Man. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, they're actually out right now. I'm actually uh, recording in, in Zach's place uh, while okay. they're out. And then, uh, yeah, we, we were in bands. All the guys in that band, uh, we were all in bands together before that, too. Um, and then once things split off, they ended up getting huge. <laughs> right, so, right. So uh, that was cool, and I had I had decided to stop touring and, and started a family and stuff, and and uh, that's kind of why I'm doing the podcast. This way I can still be creative and and uh, put content out that that my kids can listen to, and um, you know, just connecting with people. So yeah, about, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, right on, man. Well, uh, for the people joining us, uh, this is Yoni Wolf from Why on the Peer Pleasure Podcast. Are you guys in uh, Seattle tonight? Yes, yes, at the uh, Crocodile. Yeah, we're in Seattle. Excellent. All right. I, I think my buddy Eric uh, owns part of that club up there or is an investor. Nice. I think it was going to close down and, and a bunch of people put money into it to keep it keep it alive. Cool. But, uh, yes, it's a great it's a great little venue. Yeah. Cool. And tours going well so far? Yeah, man, definitely. Doing doing some good good uh shows and and uh yeah. I got some sleep last night, which was nice. Been a while. <laughs> so, yeah, man, going well. Cool. Are you guys in a van or a bus this tour? Uh, we're in a bus. Oh, cool. Okay. So you got to get some good sleep in there. Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Depending. Yeah. <laughs> it's rocking and rolling and down the road. Exactly. It's hard to do. Exactly. <laughs> well, right on, Yoni. Well, I, I want to start off just kind of, uh, for my listeners, some of them aren't, if some of them aren't familiar <laughs> Um, kind of where you started out, where you grew up, and and how you got into music. Um, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and um, you know, got into music. Well, I don't know, music's been in my family, you know. Um, so kind of, I guess, got in like that, and pretty much through my dad is and was a messianic rabbi, so you know, we always attended um, synagogue every. Friday and Sunday and then every Friday and Saturday. So we always had like a praise and worship service um, for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was really my first exposure to music, I would say, was praise songs, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, later got into, you know, in my teens or whatever, got into sort of music on my own, you know, uh, starting with like, yeah, maybe like classic rock, like, you know, 60s, 70s rock. Off, off. Sorry, I'm talking to my dog. Oh, no problem. Um, off, Marty. Uh-uh. Not supposed to go in the hotel bed. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, rap, rap music in the in the uh, mid '90s. You know, in high school and stuff like that. Okay. So yeah. Excellent. And so, do you think? Uh, I mean, growing up in that environment. Uh, I mean, I'm not super familiar uh, with the mess. Uh, you said it's it, what was it? Messianic Judaism. Messianic Judaism. And is that a fairly strict uh, religion, or is it more a little bit loose as far uh, as it, what it, you it, can do? It was super strict. Okay. Yeah, super strict. But but not not in the way that like Orthodox Judaism is. It's more like evangelical Christianity almost, I would say. Okay. Okay. In terms of the in terms of the strictness and sort of what what's okay and not okay. Okay. And so yeah. getting into high school and everything else, I mean, you got into music there and, and that just kind of grew into, when did you start, when did you start, uh, with hip hop? 
uh, in like, yeah, like ninth, 10th grade, pretty okay. much. I mean, it had been around, of course, you know, um, you know, I grew up in the 80s. I was born in 79. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was aware of, of rap music all through my elementary school and junior high. And most most people in my elementary and junior high were listening to rap music, but I didn't. I didn't connect with it. I didn't like that sort of old school sound. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until I heard uh, new school stuff like, you know, uh, Tribe Called Quest and and uh, De La Soul and like, you know, people that were more that sort of second wave of innovation mm-hmm. or math, third wave, whatever you want to call it, um, that, I, that I was sort of bowled over by it and had to really investigate. Okay. And how did you start uh, in hip hop? As far as I mean, were you doing like? Uh, did you start doing like open mics and stuff, or were you guys kind of collaborating together with friends? I, you know, I, I just started as a writing raps privately and you know, doing it in the mirror in my bedroom or something, you know, um, mm-hmm. o- over like the the one instrumental on the on uh, Balloon Mind State, the De La Soul album or mm-hmm. whatever. I would just put it on over and over and do my rap over that. Uh, but I didn't really tell anybody about that. Uh, it wasn't until several years later, I, I met this guy, Dose One, uh, who was a rapper at the time, and we started a band together, and I was playing percussion, and, and uh, my brother's playing drums, and several other people were in the band, and he was a rapper, and I, I, I don't know, I, he sort of started to bring me out of my shell, I guess, um, mm-hmm. and I started sort of rapping with him, and then we started a rap uh, group or we started making an album you know under the name green think and, and that sort of evolved into a, a group called cloud dead um and that was my first i think like sort of breakout stuff that people actually were aware of uh-huh. okay mm-hmm. and so and you said you were playing percussion so when did you start actually playing instruments did you or, or i mean do you play everything kind of like a uh, or a little bit of everything i guess or is there something you really excel at uh, i play a little bit of everything uh, i would say that my main instruments are drums and piano or or you know drums and percussion and mm-hmm. and, and and piano and keyboard stuff uh but i play a little bit of bass and a very tiny bit of guitar in a very awkward different way you know like i i re- basically I record stuff on guitar and bass, and I'll play bass live a little bit, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't play guitar live. But I, I, you know, what I'm saying it's different in the studio when you know you kind of have time to to sort of tune the guitar how you want it to be, so that you can play easily mm-hmm. the chords that you want to hear or whatever. So, uh, okay. But I, I started playing music as a little kid, like you know, um, my dad taught us drums when I was probably four or five and um piano you know a little later but took lessons and which i always hated but you know my dad taught us major and minor chords when i was like seven or eight or something like that so sure and that i mean has that helped you i mean do you think i mean i know you didn't want to do it at the time taking lessons but do you feel that made you a stronger uh songwriter i I don't think the lessons necessarily helped as much as my dad actually Um, just those, just cause what I do now is pretty much, you know, simple chords. I mean, and, or I just fuck around and come up with something that I don't even know what the chord is called or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, yeah, the classical training 
never really took so much. I mean, maybe I learned how to hold my hands or something. I don't know. It was, you know, whatever. I don't regret it. Anyway, yeah. I was a kid, and kids take lessons, and it's, you know. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the the first time, and I was gonna, I wanted to get into why a little bit here too. I, the first time I saw uh, why was at a club here in Portland, Oregon, called. Uh, well, at the time it was called uh, Loveland, and this guy Drew was doing our booking, and uh, I worked at the at the venue, and I lived there too because I was on tour. So in between tours, I would live there. And uh, that sucked, <laughs> but he was always booking like these really eclectic bands, and and at that point in my music uh, socialization, like I hadn't discovered a lot of music that wasn't straightforward stuff, and I saw the poster for Elephant Eyelash, and uh-huh. I was like, wow, this is interesting. What is this? And I was like, is the band called Why? And he's like, yeah, they're really good. And uh, they sent they had sent a promo uh, disc that was in the office, and I put it on. And it just blew my mind. I was listening to it. I was like, man, this is really good. Like, I had no idea. Looking at the the artwork, I was just like, man, this is going to be some weird stuff. I, I mean, and I was a lot younger at the time. But, uh, and then you guys came and played, and it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And ever since, I've been listening to everything. I mean. Um, nice. Which was cool. It was cool to discover it that way. Like, see a poster. Hey, that looks cool. Listen to the record. Okay, it's really cool. And then see it live, like, two days later. It was one of those cool little progressions that, and and like I say, I've been listening to this stuff ever since, um, and I mean, really enjoyed it and uh, get a lot out of it. And and uh, you know, I I loved kind of the the area between alopecia and Eskimo Snow, how you guys transitioned over to, I mean, bringing in some more indie rock vibes and um, you know some different instrumentation. And I read that that you guys recorded those records really close together. Or at the same time, and and it kind of seemed like two records at once. Um, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. At the same time, so yeah. I mean, we basically had a set of twenty songs or twenty-one songs, I think, that um, were basically the songs that made up those two albums. We added three more songs uh, for. Yeah, there were twenty-one songs. So we add, we ended up later adding three more songs for Alopecia. I actually finished Eskimo Snow first once with with a one mixing engineer, mm-hmm. Mark Nevers in in, in uh, Nashville, and then went and mastered it up in Portland actually, um, where my friend Doug Krebs used to live, mm-hmm. and um, turned that in, and we're going to put that out, and and the label was like. Um, like this is cool but you know do you have any other material from the time and then i played them a few a few of the songs that um i knew on the second record which was alopecia Mm -hmm. and um they were like oh oh you know we like this stuff can you please finish this up first and uh you know we'll put this album out first so i did then we went back in and we uh recorded three more songs and put together and mixed alopecia and then um and mixed that with with my friend eli cruz and then uh after that i i went i kept listening to eskimo snow and i was like ah, i could be a little better or whatever so i actually went in and remixed it again with my friend eli cruz in uh, oakland mm-hmm. and then uh had that mastered in san francisco with a guy mike wells and so yeah, that 
then and we put out alopecia first and then i'm sorry i just said that yeah and so yeah so ba- they basically we ended up mixing and mastering those two the same with the same engineers okay um but yeah they they, they sort of flipped their timing and as to when they were going to come out um just based on what they sounded like and what the label thought uh you know should should happen first and stuff like that okay and that's i mean that was a i mean that progression was seemed it seemed really natural too and it seems like you guys have kind of held that uh, held that course going forward. Um, you know, we're just blending so many different styles. Um, and I was kind of curious. I, mean, I had a, a few questions on that. Where when people ask me now if if I mention why and they've not heard of you guys, and they kind of like, well, what do they sound like? And I've kind of thrown together uh, the phrase that minimal becomes magical. It's kind of like a because there's so many little pieces and parts in the in the songs i mean little tiny uh you know auxiliary percussion stuff and little clicks and and uh i mean so many organic sounds put together make this giant sound it's kind of cool to me where it's not just a bunch of loud guitars and and uh drums but it's so many little things together that just make this big cohesive unit that right. to this to this day i still listen to alopecia or eskimo snow or even elephant eyelash and i still hear things that i didn't hear before it's almost like a treasure hunt so i wanted to know your approach to songwriting and and arranging all that is it something that comes to you in your mind like this is exactly the the full picture or do you just build it uh as you go uh well i mean it depends on the song but i'd say most songs um well like on that material back then um, I was always making demos, so I would sort of have an idea of a song, or I would write it maybe all the way sort of through on the piano or something, um, and I would make a demo that is the basic idea of the arrangement, um, but I would do my, all my demoing on, on like cassette 8-tracks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would give that to the guys, and then for like alopecia and eskimo snow we went in and would would play live uh with five there was a five piece band so five of us um would go to the basement of my friend andy broder i don't know if you know fog the band fog yes that's his band and yeah so we would go to the basement of his house rehearse for like two three days maybe three songs um, just sort of play through those songs, learn learn the arrangements, see what each of us was going to do for the bed tracks, and then um, we would go into the studio for like two days and record those the bed tracks for those like you know three songs or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and and then we would just kind of listen to those and say okay what do these need and then we would we would layer up uh, whatever we need to layer up from there on them so you know for like the vowels for example the first song on alopecia like um i think the the bed tracks on that song were i think actually um percussion like all of us playing percussion i think uh, we ended up doing and then then we started layering the chord stuff chordal stuff over that um but we already knew sort of what the arrangement would be we yeah we would just sort of sit and say okay well what you know how should we 
go about this song. I mean, which is different than the way that we did. Because in a studio, working quickly, which we did for Alopecia and Eskimo Snow, it's different than, than like uh, Elephant Eyelash, which we recorded at home, or, or the new one, Moline, which we recorded at home, where... You know, you really have time to, if you want to lay or something, you know, you, you can really sort of go for it, mm-hmm. uh, e- even more so, as you know. So, um, yeah, that's just though. Okay. And I, and with that too, with, with, uh, I mean, the other biggest thing, of course, the vocals, the way you write, um, I mean, you write really honest lyrics. I mean, they tell stories and, that's the other thing that I still find is with your phrasing when you're when you're going from one line to another and uh you know a lot of times it it's broken up in a way that if you listen to it kind of um I, I kind of like looking at a pic, one of those pictures that there's a hidden picture and you stare at it long enough it it opens Magic up Magic eye Exactly that's the way I view the lyrics because if I'm just listening to the song like I'll hear the lines and they won't run together unless I'm really paying attention and then it almost opens up a whole nother story. Do you, do you do that? I mean, is that a conscious thing or is it just kind of, that's the way the lyrics fit? I mean, um, you know, from line to line, a lot of times there's like a break between the, the not the punchline, but the, the completing, um, thought, if that makes sense. A break between the, um, I don't, I guess I don't know exactly what you mean, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely put a lot of time, into the lyrics and mm-hmm. and uh, try to make sure that that they are you know that they make sense and you know you can follow them all the way through um, even if it's a bit abstracted that you know there's a there's a, a through line and and uh, you know a cohesive sort of uh, not necessarily story but some kind of cohesive uh, impression that you're supposed to get mm-hmm. um, or sometimes there's a cohesive story that's that might be, you know, it might be uh, chopped up and and sort of, um, you know, moved around or whatever, you know, in, in a way that makes it more interesting. Um, but yeah, I spend a lot of time on those. Okay, yeah, that's. I mean, that's it's that's that's pretty much what I'm thinking is is uh, you know, it's not just like right all out there in one go. Like it, it the way it's broken up with the music and everything else. Um, it's, it's really interesting how, um, I guess that's the way I take it in is, is, you know, it just kind of builds and builds and builds. Um, but you can listen to it two ways. You can listen to it really abstractly and, and, uh, and not take everything in, or you can really pay attention to it and, and, and hear how it all ties together. Um, right. These thoughts and, and, uh, you know, just a really, uh, really interesting, interesting way that not a lot of people do. And I really admire that. Um, thank you you know i i enjoy it i it's a it's a it's a it's fun for me to listen to the records because it, i pick up something every time that i didn't hear mm-hmm. before it seems like and it's kind of cool so um, nice. you know i think that's why i've been into it for so long is because it's always new uh, going back to it and and showing it to other people and and uh and things like that but um i want to talk a little bit about you you made a move back to cincinnati from california Probably quite a few years ago at this point, right? Yeah, about maybe seven years ago. <laughs> okay, and uh, how has that changed your your output as far as your art goes and and music and songwriting? Being in a 
is it a more stable environment in Cincinnati than it was in California for you with being around more family? Uh, I wouldn't say it's more stable necessarily. Um, uh, though I do have a house now. Um, so maybe in that way, but I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't know how it's changed my work exactly. I mean, I guess I have a studio at home now, like a good one. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, you know, I used to just kind of, so I guess it's allowed for that allowed for home recording more. So, I mean, you know, I had a little setup. I mean, I've always had a setup of some kind or another, but, um, you know, this time around in any way, I felt comfortable just recording the whole album and mixing it home, you know, mm -hmm. which I hadn't ever done since the first album, Open a Soul Asylum. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's affected it in that way, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else in terms of psychically or, or emotionally. I mean, it has, but I can't explain that exactly. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, just picturing, you know, coming from, because you were from the Oakland area in, in California, correct? Yeah, I, I'm not from there, but yeah, I lived there for, for a decade, yeah. Yeah, because I remember that place being terrifying <laughs> whenever I was there on, on like Telegraph, you know, cruising to wherever we were playing in that town. I was always just like looking over my shoulder and it was just kind of, we really stood out, I guess, at the time, but... um What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch A Tap I Can't Turn Off out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Pure Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track, 
You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, Synced Lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. PeerPleasure.SupportingCast.FM is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Uh, it just seemed like it was more like hustle and bustle than, than Cincinnati and Cincinnati. 
you know, maybe uh, a little less plastic out there. But I wouldn't say that. I think Cincinnati is more of a rough city probably than Oakland um, in terms of to be scared in places. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, or maybe the same, you know, it just depends on where you are. Of course, mm-hmm. there's areas in Oakland that, you know, you don't want to be in if you're, you know, not in in the game some in some way or something you know yeah but um you know where i lived I, you know i never felt threatened like that or anything uh, i um you know it was beautiful actually it, it, that's that's a difference between cincinnati and oakland is just the weather of course makes a difference you know um it was mostly all is sunny in Oakland and Cincinnati is, you know, you have the seasons and the winters and all that and mm-hmm. gray skies a lot. So, um, you know, that I don't love about Cincinnati, but there's other things that are good. Yeah. Okay. And, and, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the new record. Um, I was listening to, I, I want to talk about podcasting as well, but, uh, I was listening to the, the last podcast you did, um, and you had pronounced the title, uh, a lot differently. <laughs> And I was curious on just so I say it right is is it is it Moline or is it does it have that? Uh, um, I mean, I, I I just say it like that. Like I mean, you know, you're not going to go and order a burrito and be like, "Please, can I have one burrito?" You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I just say Moline. But yeah, it's like it's like Moline. Moline. Okay, I just yeah. wanted to uh, to make sure I got that right. But um, where did that name come from? Or is it is it uh, what does it mean? It's private. It means several different things, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like to talk about it. Really. Oh, okay, no problem. No, it's all right. It's uh, all right. Uh, so, so with that record, what was the writing process with that? I mean, it's, it's a great record. I mean, I was listening to the stuff on Spotify that came out early, like those, uh, the, the this old king and and uh-huh. proactive evolution. Um, what was the writing process on this record like for you? Uh, well, uh, these, you know, these were all pretty much songs I wrote on piano. And then uh, we would go in, um, my brother and I, and kind of think about, okay, what does this one need? And uh, and sort of start to think about arrangements and how to rec- how to record and, and, you know, whether to do it live or to do it in layers or, you know, that kind of thing. Whether we needed, you know, later after we had bed tracks, whether we needed, you know, strings or horns or, you know, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um which has sort of become the way we tend to work, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much that. And, and, you know, we worked for a long time. There were several sort of iterations of a lot of the different songs. Some of them were recorded several times, you know, like I think we recorded proactive evolution four times and wow. just kind of kept trying to figure out why it's not quite right. And, you know, um, in different ways with, you know, different people, even a couple different people and and uh yeah anyway okay Mm -hmm. and was there an like a general idea lyrically like a theme or was it all stuff you'd written throughout you know over several years that you had pieced together for for the record um yeah the latter uh except that you know there are other songs too and these are the ones that sort of seem to fit together to create mahlin you know but Mm -hmm. uh it uh yeah it came together just over over some years and and sort of uh you know just 
you start to at some point get an idea of what the album is you know maybe six months before it's done or whatever mm-hmm. and and then you can sort of start to cater a little more towards that um with what you're finishing up and stuff but yeah and do you write do you write every day do you is it something you do um you know uh, sit down for you know 20 minutes and just write or is it something you have to feel inspired to sit down and actually write as far as as far uh, as words go poetry lyrics? right it depends on on uh it depends but uh, in 2016 i did a thing where i did write uh a poem every day that was like a thing i did and I didn't quite finish them all up in terms of like writing them down, but I actually do have them all on my voice memos. Um, so yeah, I, I wrote a poem every day for that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, do I always do that? No, you know, it's more like when an idea comes to me, you know, when I'm on tour or something, I, I'm not as sort of open to it. I'm not, I'm just more, more trying to get sleep and stuff. So, mm-hmm. I, and I don't, usually when I do write, even for this, even for 2016, when I wrote a poem a day, like it, it tended to happen as I was falling asleep, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of, and I just speak it into my voice memos. So Interesting. I've heard of people doing that with, uh, with, you know, when they have a dream and wake up from it, immediately writing it down or, um, yeah. speaking it. And then, you know, cause a lot of times you don't remember it the next day. Right. Um, are you going to release that stuff? Do you think, or is that something more just for you or? I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I would release it. Uh, not all of them are good, you know. It was more of an exercise. Sure. Uh, but maybe I'd release um, some of them. I, I do like some of them. It'd be awesome to do that uh, with the podcast, almost like do like an episode every month or something that that is just a like a collab uh, uh, compilation of those thoughts or of those recordings. That'd be interesting i i would think yeah that Um, is an interesting idea actually but you know and that's the i wanted to to get into podcasting too because that's one of the reasons when i was when i was formulating this this podcast and what i was going to do if i was going to do it or not is kind of around the time i had discovered that you had started a podcast so Mm -hmm. I, i went and started listening to it and it was i mean what i love about the wandering wolf uh podcast is the extremely honest like it's just you sitting there talking to not to anybody, just talking out loud, and it, you can kind of be a fly on the wall, um, you know. And you say a lot of things that are, you know, just it seems like on the fly, which is really the interesting part. It's kind of like just listening to um, someone's thoughts. And well, mo- I mean, most most episodes are conversations with people, but yeah, but I do my intros are are. Just me talking to myself. Yes. Yeah, sure. that's what I. That's what I mean. The intros is is, and then kind of seeing that, uh, you know, there's a lot of really good production that goes into it um, that I can pick out. But at the same time, like there's the episode you with POS where you were just mm-hmm. hanging out in the car with a, probably mm-hmm. probably like a H4N or something, um, just chatting, and it sounded good. And I was like, man, I could just get a. I don't even need a laptop for this. Like I could just get a you know a decent digital recorder. And just mm-hmm. do it on the fly, or when you're, you know, sitting on a bench chatting with somebody, or, um, mm-hmm. you know, that was really inspiring to me to say, well, shit, I could do this. This would be great. And I uh, guess for me, for me, it was a, it's about like being just being completely portable and mobile, like, and just and not feeling like I have to set a bunch of shit up or give somebody a mic to hold. Like I can actually just for real 
get with somebody like POS or whatever and be like, hey, you know, like, you know, you want to chat for a minute in the car? Like, you know, I don't have to set anything up. I just press record and just hold it up to his face and my face. And, you know, we just but not like right up to his face. I, you know, I wanted to I want him to forget that it's there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and just like just talk and, you know, and the sound quality I always fix later. You know, I'm mm-hmm. pretty good at Pro Tools and shit. So I go in and EQ and compress and, you know, do what I got to do to make it sound good later. Um, but. Yeah, I mean it doesn't always and it doesn't always sound tremendous and that's okay. Like sometimes, you know, you catch the the environment, you know, sometimes you're in a place where there's background noise and stuff like that or somebody's dog is barking or whatever and it's like whatever. Like that's like I I like caught the moment. You know what I mean? Like that's where we were. Like we were we were in that stairwell and there was a fucking 10 second reverb because of the stairwell. Like whatever. Like I don't know. That's that's sort of the idea. If, as long as you can hear what we're saying, I almost think the environment and and all that stuff sort of in a way adds to it. You know, you're like, okay, well, you know, that's where they were. They were they were, you know, in backstage and somebody was you know, you can vaguely hear the opener playing or whatever, you know, it in you know, in the other room. Exactly. And that's that's what I love about it is it's it's a it's basically a, a photograph of where you were and the and a lot of times People are saying, "Oh, the background noise in in podcasting is distracting." I don't find it that way at all. You know, yeah. it adds like reading a book where you start, you get the descriptives, and then you get to the meat and potatoes. It gives that to you, you know, sonically, to where you're you're basically sitting in that car, you're sitting on that bench, right. listening. That's um, the idea. Well, it comes across really well. I mean, that's exactly what I take from it. Um, cool. You know, and I enjoy listening to it, and I enjoy those those intros and and uh i really like the one where you're talking about your trip uh where you got sick uh yeah (sighs) terrifying i mean that that uh and and living with that that uh disease and and having all those restrictions i have a couple friends that also have crohn's and and uh i mean that that was the other thing i wanted to ask you i mean it was has has dealing with that shaped a lot of how i mean has it has it introverted you at all do you feel just being, you know, getting sick often and, and kind of staying close to home or, or have you been able to kind of embrace it and, and figure it out? Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it has, you know, it has isolated me at times for sure. And it's, and it's, it's not always been easy. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'll say that. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, I'm, I keep trying and, and, uh, always sort of, you know, trying to have a new approach and a new hope. Um, and you know, the people around me have been, have been, uh, wonderful, um, and helped and under been very understanding. So, Mm uh, you know, I, I carry on and, uh, I'm still here. I'm still, still doing what I'm doing. So, um, you know, it's not always easy, but, uh, I'm, I'm doing it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you and 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 putting that information out there too is 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 huge. I mean, for people that are suffering the same thing or feel the same way you're feeling, I'm sure it, it resonates with a lot of people. Um, I mean, and like you were saying with with Moline being a, a private title and and uh, you know the intros we talked about with the podcasts and and the lyric content just being so, I mean, seemingly brutally honest and. Um, you know, kind of putting everything out there to the world. Do you find that exhausting at all? Or do you find it kind of cathartic to where, um, 
like you're getting what's inside out? I think there's a part of it that is definitely cathartic, um, and especially in terms of writing songs, uh, you know, that's, I think, at least historically, that was always sort of my feeling is, you know, I, I grew up a very, very introverted kid and, um, never really shared my insides with people, you know? Mm-hmm. And I felt like that's sort of what music was for me in a way starting out was just a way to really just bear it, bear it all. And, and, uh, you know, feel like, uh, I was, uh, I don't know, like, like, I don't care what people think about me. I'm just going to say what's actually going on and, and they can take it or leave it. You know, it was like a, it was almost like I, you know, inverted the, the, uh, introversion somehow, uh-huh. um, in that way. And, and so sort of turn myself inside out. Um, and at some point, I guess I more became open, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like at this point I'm pretty open. Uh, even in, you know, if I'm talking to somebody, I can pretty much usually talk about what's going on and in, inside or what I'm feeling. And, um, so I think that it helped in that way, you know, I think at this point, I don't feel an urgency as much to, to be as sort of, uh, you know, revealing or oversharing and this kind of thing. I I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't need, need that as much because, uh, I feel like I'm, you know, just more open in general. So yeah, I mean, and on the podcast, I don't know. I, I, Sometimes I feel weird about it, you know. If I was to go back and listen to some of those episodes, I probably would feel weird about it. But I, luckily, I don't really go back and listen. <laughs> uh, just kind of let it be. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. At the moment, I always feel like, well, you know, let me just kind of talk. And, you know, it's people, everyone's going through similar stuff. And maybe people will relate to this stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and and turning yourself inside out versus being turned inside out by the public eye, I think, gives a lot of power because you're in control uh, of that decision, and you made that, you know, yourself instead of, you know, someone then ex- like exposing all these things or or you know, right, putting you on blast for whatever. I mean, that's that's something. That I, I mean, people I've talked to on the show, I mean, people that were introverted that are now very you know honest people and and throwing everything out there. It seems like that that conversion that they made themselves, uh, gave them the power. Um, almost like, uh, you know, when people make fun of themselves before other people make fun of them, just to put it out. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, well, cool. I, I, the other thing with the podcast that I, that I really liked is there was an episode you did with April O'Neill and, uh, and you, you were very honest about your opinions of pornography and, uh, um, you know, how, uh, you know, you felt that it, it may harm your relationships later or your view of, of things or being able to perform. And, um, I thought that was really cool because, you know, you put yourself in a situation you weren't quite sure of. And I think the episode came out great. And you asked questions that were, you know, you were talking to her as a real person, not as, Hey, what's, you know, your favorite thing to do here or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that with my podcast too, having, I had a few adult stars on, uh, early on and then one recently. 
And that's kind of why I reached out when I started reaching out to people to start. It was because, man, I'd, I'd like to ask these people questions that aren't related to necessarily their, their profession. Um, right. And I thought that was cool too, where, where you put yourself in a situation that you may not have been comfortable with. And, um, you know, have there been other guests on the show or situations you've been in with interviews where you're just like, this is not going well, or, uh, you know, what did I get myself into? Or have you been pretty, pretty confident as far as, um, the output on that? Um, I, I, I can't say I've had any, I mean, one, one difficult interview that comes to mind is with Eric Andre, um, you know, is with uh, Eric Andre, who who it was just because he was so uh, so frenetic. He was just so spastic that like I uh, had you know I was like basically following him around room to room, and he's like you know like uh, on a roll like one of those rolling pins on the ground, like rolling <laughs> his back out, and then. Then we're in the other room and he's eating chicken wings and then we're, you know, like he just like, but I mean, he was totally cool. And he was, you know, like he was a fan of my music uh, way back in the day. So like he knew who I was. It wasn't like he was blowing me off. He just is just a fucking weirdo. I mean, he's hilarious and I I really enjoyed meeting him. But uh, that was like difficult in that way where he just he was having trouble. Like he kept trying to flip it. I mean, it's just his style, you know. He kept trying to flip it and ask me questions, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, he's just intentionally kind of making it difficult, I think, um, just to be funny, you know, which he is. Uh, I don't know, but but that was totally fine, actually. As far as other ones that were difficult, I don't know. I, I, I've enjoyed them all for different reasons, you know. Like, some people are harder to maybe get out of their shell. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, and then if that's the case, you kind of just talk about more mundane things, you know, I mean, my favorite, you know, like, so I can just go through someone's career with them, you know, and that's fine. And for a fan of their music or their art or whatever, like that's going to be super interesting anyway. Sure. Um, but my favorite, my favorite ones, of course, are the ones where we break into talking about maybe deeper things. Um, that don't even relate to someone's career. Like, you know, for example, um, I, I've had a couple of conversations uh, with uh, Aaron Weiss from Me Without You, if you know that band. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, we don't we don't talk about his career. Like, you know, like we might occasionally bring stuff up, but generally we just we just go and we riff on on sort of spiritual stuff or just sort of, you know, about deeper stuff that we both are dealing with and and uh you know so i love those conversations um you know i've i've had some conversations with with uh people that are not public eye type people uh just sort of people i grew up with or whatever and sometimes that can be tough so, i mean sometimes it's great and we get into really interesting stuff but then later they're like oh you know you got to take that down dude we got we got too deep on that and what if my boss hears it or what if my girlfriend hears that or what, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So those are different. Those are difficult in a different reason. Cause sometimes, you know, they have to come down, but I don't know. I I've, I've enjoyed for one reason or another, every, every conversation I've had on there for sure. 
Excellent. And, and that's, I mean, that's, that's the number one goal there is just to have fun doing it. I mean, if not, if it's not fun, there's really no point in doing it, you know, like totally, I mean, it does take work and it takes some money and it takes some prep. And, and, uh, one thing I wanted to get into real quick here, I was in, and when I prep for these interviews, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll write down a page or two of questions or notes and, um, just kind of scribble stuff down. And then, you know, I'll watch a couple interviews on YouTube or whatever, just say, you know, I don't want to ask the same questions. I don't want to, you know, yeah. be boring. But in doing this for this interview, I stumbled across an interview on, oh, I forget the guy's name, but it was on Skype and this dude was talking. It was a Christian show. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. my God. And I was, Jesse, Jesse something or other. I can't remember his last name. It was yeah. the most awkward interview. I, I mean, I was getting nervous just listening to it just because... He wouldn't let you speak and then kept asking you if you're lonely for a woman and like yeah. trying to dig deep and then taking callers to then take what yeah. you had said and then attack you. Yeah. I loved that. Actually, but you, you, you played it off. I mean, you played it off well. I mean, you, you stayed positive and I was just watching just, I mean, listening like, what is he thinking right now? Like, yeah, you know, I'm taking time out of my day to do this, and <laughs> right, right. No, I lo- I loved it, man. I, I, yeah, I found it very interesting, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was a little frustrating because it, it wasn't in podcast form; it was in sort of, uh, you know, c- conventional radio interview form. So everything was soundbitey. Um, so that was a little difficult, but I, I actually enjoyed sort of talking to someone you know, with his viewpoints and stuff. Sure. As just, I, I was just watching like, Oh my God, like I could just imagine what was going through your head, but, but, uh, yeah, and played it well. And it was entertaining, but I, I felt bad. So it was like, geez, he just walked right into this one. And this guy was just, you know, laying it out there. And, and yeah, uh, I wasn't sure if you'd run into that situation with your show at all, or where someone was just really strange or, or whatnot, but, uh, wanted to throw that out there because uh, I mean, if they, they are, I'm I'm a pretty open-minded person, so I, I've had yeah, I've had people that have differing viewpoints than me. I've had religious people. I mean, you know, my family's been on there, and they're mm-hmm. religious. My dad and my mom, and you know, but you know, you just you find a way to to talk about stuff, and and uh, you know, like I said, I'm pretty open-minded, and um, I don't know, I enjoy sort of differing viewpoints, you know. Sure. Absolutely. It makes it interesting. I like it on, on podcasts when someone disagrees with the guest or the host and then they discuss it instead of getting a fight, they discuss, you know, why they differ and, and all that. But well, well, awesome. Yoni. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. I know time's limited and, and, uh, uh, Brent was awesome getting this set up for us and, and, uh, uh, you know, setting a time and getting everything together and, being yeah. in constant email contact, which was awesome, and uh, I was really excited to have you on, and and uh, really enjoyed it. What's coming up for for why uh, and for you and the the rest of the year touring uh, through April, and then uh, what's up after that? Well, you know, we just put out this album, mm-hmm. Mahlene, and uh, it's going well, and we're yeah we're on tour in the states until late April, and then we go and do a Japanese tour um right after that and then do a european tour right after that so that stuff all wraps up around um the end of june okay and and then uh i don't know what i mean we may get some more show opportunities uh i believe we're going back to europe in the 
fall in like September, possibly in August as well for some festivals. So, yeah, I mean, we're just kind of rolling with what happens, and then eventually I'll get back to work on some more recordings. Okay. Well, excellent. It's good to have you guys back out there. And, and uh, are these all headliners, these tours, the yeah. Japanese and everything? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Yoni, thanks so much for coming on, man. And uh, everyone definitely pick up the record, Moline, on uh, Joyful Noise, correct? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Out now, and they are on tour, so catch them in your town. Um, and uh, why with a question mark is the website. And uh, really appreciate you having having you on, Yoni, and, and uh, taking the time out of your day, man. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great day. All right. Take care, bud. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about a brand-new podcast on Jabberjaw Media, Poor Taste. Poor Taste is the go-to source for all things cocktail. Through years of consultation work with hotels, restaurants, and bars, John and Lindsay Yeager are now bringing their cocktail and spirit prowess to the Poor Taste podcast. Each week, John discusses spirit and cocktail history while guiding guests through recipes. The podcast also features award-winning authors, spirit importers, and tastemakers to discuss trends and other tidbits from today's cocktail community. Check them out today on Jabberjaw Media. Hey folks, that was my conversation with Mr. Yoni Wolf from Y and Anticon. Really glad Yoni came on the show today and uh, had a chat with us, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm hoping he releases those... Uh, those poems he wrote in uh, podcast form that'd be cool uh to hear that hear that he did that 365 days uh writing a poem every day into his voice recorder on his phone as you heard on the show and uh hopefully that comes to something and it gets released somewhere because he is definitely an interesting character and and uh really glad to have him on so uh once again we are on peerpleasurepodcast.com we are on instagram at peerpleasurepod we are on twitter at podpeerpleasure uh, definitely hit up the Facebook page, uh, like and share on there, um, rate and subscribe on iTunes. That is very important to the show and very important to us here. Uh, shout out to my new producer, Joe and Bob from the Bob and Katie show for doing the show notes. Uh, the show notes have been great. They've been super detailed and, and uh, you can see, you know, if you want to skip to a certain part of the conversation, Bob lines that out on there. All the links to the people we talk about, uh, links to new records, all that stuff. Uh, it's like a one-stop shop for uh, everything uh, peer pleasure as far as the episode goes. Um, and we are going to get those up uh, usually a day or so after the episode comes out. Uh, Bob does a couple other shows, uh, including the Mike Carrera Hour, which is on Jabberjaw, which you should check out as well. So uh, once again, shout out to them. Uh, shout out to Brent, Yoni's manager, Snake Charmer. Uh, very, very professional and, and great job getting this hooked up and dealing with some scheduling issues. Uh, really appreciate him, uh, and uh, you know, a lot of times these interviews wouldn't happen if it wasn't for great people working for uh, you know who we're talking to, of course. Um, so definitely check out JabberjawMedia.com. Uh, check out the great shows on there. Uh, you can find back episodes of Peer Pleasure on there, as well as Adobe, uh, Adobe.com, uh, and we are on Adobe every Saturday at 6 p.m. with a new guest. So uh, once again, check out the Amazon affiliate link on the website. 4% goes to the show when you purchase through there. Uh, There's a donate tab if you feel like donating to the show and also stickers up on the web store. So uh, when you're done rating and subscribing the show, definitely go to the website and check out all that cool shit. So uh, once again, thank you so much for listening week after week. Uh, Big thanks to Yoni Wolf from Y and uh, wish him all the best in his touring this year. And uh, check out the new record, Moline, on uh, Joyful Noise Records. It is fantastic. Uh, Also available on Spotify, anywhere. 
uh, you stream music as well. So once again, thank you for listening and we'll see you on the radio. What's up, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about Jabberjaw Media. Jabberjaw Media is an independent talk and entertainment podcast network. We're proud members of the network and encourage you to check out many of the other shows on the network. Just this week, Jabberjaw added five more podcasts to the network, including three new music-based podcasts, Poor Taste, a cocktail-based podcast, and Too Old to Date, a scripted comedy podcast based in New York City. These shows add to the already amazing roster of music-based shows, which have been a part of the network since its inception. Head over to JabberjawMedia.com for more information on all these shows. See you soon. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.